Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So I'll call you up whenever I'm feeling down. Cause it feels so good just to have you around. Oh, hey up, Jim. How you doing? Oh, I'm so good. I'm feeling very, very <laughs> autumnal. <laughs> Hello, Jim. Hello. Very nice to have you on our show. Well, it's nice to be It's nice to be with you. I'm glad you've got the word being very early on. Oh, yes. Mm. Well, I didn't mean to, but uh, it's very good to be with you. I'll like, expand on that. I, I'm nice. It's nice to be with you. <laughs> Jim, you said we heard that you've listened to our podcast. Yes. So we're very privileged. Am I the only one? I'm not the only one, am I? <laughs> No, we've got lots of followers for our podcast. Yeah, I'll bet. Oh yes, they yes. all love the bees. Yeah, well, it's it's very it's very heartwarming. I really like it. It's because um, I love bees. Yeah, well, I think most people nice. that you can't not like it because people not like bees. I can understand people not liking wasps as much. I um, I went to Chris Packham. You know Chris Packham. Yeah. I went to his house once and uh, in the New Forest and he told me something very interesting about wasps, which I know isn't bees, but he said uh, one of them, there's only one of them that stings. I can't remember if it's the, the, the gentleman or the lady wasp. That'll be the lady, the same as a honeybee. Is it same just bees. Oh, is it just honey, only lady honeybees sting? Yeah, and only lady bees sting because in the male version of the bee, the sting is used for um, mating with the queen. Is it? Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't yeah. know. It's, it's, it's a, an ovi... Uh, what does it call it? An ovi... Is it an ovipositor? Oh, you, you've got more knowledge than us, Jim. <laughs> You're showing us up. I don't think we want you as a guest. <laughs> so how do we all know each other? That's, that's the key question, isn't it? Well, I think that you and Esther have known each other for longer than... I've known you, Jim. Well, so... Esther played a mother with a son on um, House of Fools. That's right. Yeah, I yes, did. You did. Yeah. Yes, he was a yes. he was a horrible little kid, as far as I remember. <laughs> I hope he's not a fan of this podcast. <laughs> that was his character. He's our guest next week. Is he? The horrible kid. <laughs> and Jane, I met you. I've probably met you before, but we met first properly on a train, didn't we? When we went up to do a film. In... Yes. In Peniston. Is it Peniston or Peniston? No, yes, well, both. Um, yeah, that's right. But I did know you before because I, I did um, a little sketch on one of your shows. Yes, you did. And, oh, that's well, you did that one, yeah, in a, in a bakery. That's right. But then we really worked together all week. Exactly. On, um, and we, on that. It was a very good film, but nothing happened of it. No, I know. And we were husband and wife, and we were, and we were very well matched, I thought. Yeah, we were um, a psychic couple. I was the psychic on the stage, and you were feeding me information from backstage. 
Yes, he, he was a cheat. <laughs> it was, yeah, well, I was cheating on some lady in the uh, in the in the community. Oh yes, yes, he and was then, a double cheat. A double, yes, it was a cheat, and then I cheated on a on you. Mm. my wife with a lady and then you started feeding me all the wrong information <laughs> so it made me look like a fraud on the stage and then I took over from you that's my, right my yes. character took over oh because I died and then became a ghost oh, so nice. I could actually do it for real it was a good it was a good film though. it was a good film but Jim we've really enjoyed coming to your gallery and seeing your shows together me and Jane have loved that yeah, yeah. yeah so much so. so hopefully at the start of next year there'll be more but um we're it, supposed to be having a few now but yes uh, and I've been doing a lot of birds recently because oh. I've always been interested in, in birds like you've been interested in bees so are you a twitcher well, not really, no. I think twitches are a lot more accomplished than me at looking. I like going out looking at birds just to get out of the house and, and look at things oh. that are alive, you know. Not so, I'm not saying there's nothing alive in my house. But, <laughs> it sounded <laughs> but, like know, that. Do you know, getting out and having a look at the real, the natural world, I oh. love it. When, when I was a kid, I used to do it a lot. And I suppose things come around when you get into bordering on old age you start to relive your youth and I think it's a good thing to do I really like it and yes um, you know you get a little kick out of it it's it's good fun when I was a kid going out bird watching I it was in a very casual way actually I used to um, pinch birds eggs which is an awful thing to do but I usually just only take one but that's what a lot of kids did when I was young yeah and I was out doing it once and I, and you'll be able to fill us in on this, Esther. But there was a, there was a. I think it was an underground nest of bees, mm. and they all. I disturbed them, and they all came out and stung me. Ooh, oh dear! Really? Yeah. Yeah. How many stings did you have? Several. I'm just going to say that several. I don't know how many, but it was quite a few. And how old were you? Mm. Um, twelve. Oh, did you cry? Oh god. I suspect I probably did. Although I've got a very high. Pain thresholds, <laughs> so I don't know whether I did or not. Oh. And I, I can I tell you another story yes. about me being stuck while we're at it. Yeah, I was on about the same age. Let's say I was about twelve or thirteen, and I was in um, a perfume shop in mm. the Lake District. Yeah, and and all and there was all these wasps flying around because they were attracted by the smell mm. of the um, what, of the perfume. Yeah, they came into the perfume shop Ooh. and. And and uh, they were like wandering about and stinging people willy nilly. Oh dear, wasps. that's bad. And and uh, I was talk- and then it, and I got stung a few times, but oh. it didn't hurt. It wasn't too bad. And so the proprietor of the perfume shop said, "These wasps come in. They drink what they think is the nectar, the perfume." And of course, the alcohol gets them drunk, so they just wander about belligerently stinging people. <laughs> but the, but it's it's kind of weakened because of the alcohol, so you don't get a powerful wasp sting. But they just got wandering about, going, oh, "I'm going to sting that person oh. there." Ooh, yeah. sounds like fun. <laughs> you wouldn't want to buy that perfume, would you? Well, after it had been. Sucked by oh, wasps. No, but not that. But if you, you've thought, oh, this is a nice perfume somebody's bought, well, and then you give wasps. it a spray, yeah, and then you go down the street and you just get stung to death. Well, stung I, to I never death. thought. I never, <laughs> never thought of it like that. But yeah. Hmm. But that's not that's not normal for perfumes. Was this an exceptionally 
I don't know. Unusual perfume. I mean, as I say, I was probably about 12 or 13, so it's Mm. a distant memory, Mm. very distant, Mm. and... uh, I don't know. It's a. I suppose it would be local perfumes made in the in the mm. Lake District, right? Because <laughs> wasp like things are the sort of meaty things, don't they? They like they like to steal your sort of salmon off your plate or your meat, or they like sweet things. So it, it was either or one of those sort of smells—a meaty perfume, mm. or, or strawberry, a... maybe strawberry jam flavored perfume. Yeah, or a sirloin <laughs> steak. Oh, maybe, yeah. I've often thought, why not do, you know, like, because I actually, I buy perfumes and I like ladies' perfumes. Mm. I like the smell of oranges and roses, especially roses, because I think at at heart I'm a very old woman. Mm. I like the smell of Parma violets and and roses. But I thought, you know, I don't like men's scents. Smells like an old burnt photocopier or something most of the time, doesn't it? (laughs) I think maybe if you had bacon and eggs for a a man. (laughs) Maybe. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. I think that you, you, I think that, that would idea. be marvellous. Yeah, the smell of a fry up is is a lovely smell, isn't it? I don't think I'd mind having that on. Or um, I like um, two-stroke engine oil. That'd be quite Ooh, nice. Yeah, that's another one. For, you know, yeah. for a gentleman who's going out maybe to a football yeah. match or something. Or tarmac. <laughs> that's another good one. Well, tarmac. tarmac. That's very, very strong. Nice, yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I can see that on a label, tarmac. Oh, I think, well, I think I, you're right, onto something you? now, you two. I think there's an opening here. <laughs> I think there definitely is. Forget your beer, let's move on to um, yeah, tarmac flavoured perfumes. <laughs> Bacon and egg perfume. Bacon and egg, two stroke and tarmac. <laughs> I wonder which one would be the best seller. I think tarmac's probably mm. going to be the winner because it's and it's also it's universal. It's a unisex uh, brand, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Do you think it would sell abroad? Oh yeah, I think so. I, I'd buy it definitely. Well, if I pass road, I'm, very often I stop at roadworks and get out and say to the workman, "Do you mind if I have a sniff?" <laughs> yeah, I do as well, actually, Jim. I love tarmac. It's Ooh. great, isn't it? What about yeah. Swarovski? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why not? No. It it brings back awful memories. What of? Well, I went to school, I went to work in a factory, and Mm. and you had to get this horrible green swarfiga. You had to wash your hands with it every day. And, Mm. you know, gathering around the big circular washing basins Mm. and pumping green swarfiga, it just brings back awful memories of it. And not a great time. So we're not having that one on the list. That's off the list. Well, other people might like it. I've got some in the cupboard. It's been there for years. But... I remember my brother using it because he was a mechanic and it got the oil off his hands. I didn't remember it being for general use. Well, yeah, for getting oil off, yeah. He wouldn't have a bath with it, would you? No. No, no, no. Although you could be mistaken because <laughs> it's, it's green and it might look like um, a, a kind mm. of bath, bath bubbles. Yeah. If you were short-sighted and there was some swarfiga next to you. <laughs> the, uh... But it doesn't <laughs> bubble, though, does it? What's that old one you used to get? The uh, it was like it was like a little sailor with a hat. Matey, matey, that's oh. it. Yeah, that was green. It what was like it? I suspect it was probably just washing up liquid put into a into mm. a, a, a little sort of model sailor. Oh, I think you're right. Because washing up liquid is actually the, one of the best cleaning products of all. It it's, works for everything. Well, when I was very young, I think we used to. <laughs> We used to. I think my mum used to get you get in the bath, and she'd squirt in some um, washing up liquid and wash our hair with it. <laughs> Did it work? 
<laughs> I bet it works, but as just as good as anything else. Yeah, it does. I might try that again. Yeah, I'm going to put some washing up liquid in that in the in our shower. Mm. But you've got mm. you've got a good head of hair, haven't you, Jim? Well, it's all right. It's starting to just drift back. I know, but that's good going, though, isn't it? And that made it down to the washing up liquid, um, you know, washing hair, hair, hair washing when you were <laughs> yeah. an infant. Yeah, I thought you were going to say when I was a nymph. <laughs> well, a nymph and an infant. <laughs> when I was a nymph, that's a good word for a baby, you know, yes. nymph. When you were a nymph, and yeah. uh, so that could oh, be. I bet you ever such a nice little nymph. <laughs> well, you could promote that as well as your your perfume. It could be called yeah. The whole product could be called nymph, couldn't it? Yeah, tarmac, I think it's a good idea. tarmac by nymph. Tarmac, I'm very excited about. <laughs> mm. I wonder if you can harness tarmac in a bottle. I think you can. Somebody out there, somebody's listening to us. Please help us get the tarmac smell. <laughs> someone's, it's gonna, someone's going to do it sooner or later. I've got a friend. Well, my son's got a friend who works somewhere up north in a, in a, in a scientific laboratory that invents Ooh. scents and smells and things and um, tastes that you put into sweets and stuff. Mm. So he might be able to help out there. I'll, I'll have a word. Let's get him to join our gang. Yeah. Let's get him to join the business I'm actually now. seriously think I might get in. I'm going to get in touch with my son, Louis, and say, ask your friend Ollie if he can manufacture a Tarmax-flavoured scent and I'll send it out oh. for Christmas. I think that's such a great oh, idea. Can't wait. Can bees produce perfume? Well, the queen has got a very strong pheromone, and she keeps the whole. That's what keeps the the whole colony together, and they just they're intoxicated by her pheromone. And wherever she goes, wherever she walks through the hive, she leaves it behind her. And you know, it's it must be an amazing, amazing smell that that. Uh, that she has. Could you could you make a, a, a scent from honey? Well, you could, I guess, couldn't you? Because and there's all different I mean, types of honey from all the different flowers that the bees have been on, so yeah. you could get a big uh, variety of perfumes. Yeah, yeah, you could. Oh, I've got so I'm I've, sure. I've got I've got some business plans going on here, haven't I? I have honey every day on me porridge. So do I. It's lovely, isn't it? And I have. I go for a mixture. I have the um, the the cheap one from Waitrose, mm. which mm. is very sweet. And then I like that, other, you know, the expensive one. What's it called? Mankini? Manuka. <laughs> <laughs> Mankini? Mankini. Well, what, that sounds like it's from Manchester. <laughs> well, I have that one. Oh, Mankini. And that's about 15 quid a bottle. That's that. Manuka, isn't it? That's Manuka. Yeah, yeah not Mankini. No. <laughs> No, not Mancunian. Mancunian. No. <laughs> mm. And do you find that it keeps you healthy through the winter? Well, I like it on my porridge, um, and I, I would hope it keeps me. Yeah, it keeps you healthy, doesn't it? It's good for you, isn't it? Are you a, are you yeah, a healthy sort? Um, I think just naturally, I am. I don't have any rubbish food. I have old English food that oh. um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, liver and onions and. Potatoes, pie and <laughs> mash. Sort of yeah, you mm. like you 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 eat a lot, don't you, Jane? I do eat a lot, but now I've gone veggies. Have you? Yes. I bet you still eat a lot, though, don't you? No, I it don't. Surprised no, I don't. Were, do I, Esther? When we were doing that oh, film, you do. when we were doing that film in Peniston, 
I came down mm. to see you at dinner time and you had a, a fish which was hanging off the edge of your plate. It was massive. It was like the... Mm. It was Because you're not that big, but I re- reckon this dinner plate was about the same size as you. <laughs> yeah, when we had a, um, a, a honey tasting at the end of the summer at, um, at Esther's for the last episode of the first series... And um, everybody was given a teaspoon to taste the honey and I was given a dessert spoon and gouged my way through it and Esther had to tell me off. <laughs> yeah. She was in danger of eating the whole winter supply of uh, honey for the puddings. <laughs> Which is, yeah. I, must, I must make my Christmas cake. Oh, you do it. Make your own, do you? Oh, of course I do, yeah. I like making I make. Ooh. I have to make it, a, you know, a, a good while before Christmas as well. So... It, Oh, it, um, nice. What do you call it? It doesn't, it doesn't fester, does it? Um, oh, it, um, it does. Ma- oh, yes, I know what it is. It matures. It matures, matures yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's fested enough. <laughs> no, but there is another word as well as mature. Ferment. Mm. I suppose it might do a bit of... Mm. Well, it will ferment the amount of... Because um, I, I put cherry brandy in it. Oh, do you? I think yeah. my auntie puts that in hers. Do you use a hypodermic needle or do you just use a, a sprinkler? <laughs> no, I just I just pour it in as I'm making it. Some people use a hypodermic needle, you know, to inject it. They do, yeah. Mm. No, I like it all, you know, throughout the whole cake, not just in small hypodermic portions. <laughs> yeah, because if you kept injecting the same point, then the person yeah. who ate that would be like a wasp in the perfume shop. And the other thing, I haven't got any hypodermic needles and I don't really want to go in and ask for any in the chemist. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jim, you know what? My dad used to make me a Christmas cake and a Christmas pudding every year and he died last year, so... I've, I've, I suppose I'm going to have to start making my own as well. Yeah. Well, have you got his recipe? No, he never. He never disclosed it. Oh no! I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, a bit of research, and you might be able to find out. You, being northern ladies, might agree with me. Um, I like it with a bit of cheese. Oh mm. yeah, I do. Nice. And um, in the south, it's not the done thing to have cheese with your Christmas cake. But well, I love it. Me, Lancashire crumbly. Yeah, I can't have it without a bit of cheese. Nice. So you think that's looked down on, dear? Do you think that's frowned upon in the South? I think it's one of those things people think, you what, you can't have that? Mm. Um, Yeah. Oh, yes, you can. Yeah, I've introduced it to the South and it's it's been a big hit. I wanted to ask you, do you feed the birds? Yeah, I've got feeding stations outside my house. Um, oh. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're, it's a bit quiet at this time of year because, they're, you know, you get this, you get some blue tits, great tits, um, a lot of tits, but... Um, mm-hmm. And some stuff. Are they all over your fat balls? <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are. Oh. How do you stop the squirrels getting at them? Well, you, you can get... Squirrel-proof ones, but they're not that squirrel-proof because squirrels are very, very clever and they'll work out ways of getting into it by pushing it over and smashing things up. You know, they're ruffians, squirrels. Mm, mm, they are. Hooligans. What, what are your favourite birds? Um, I like a curlew. I go down to a place near me. Occasionally you see mm-hmm. a curlew uh, or a couple yeah. of them. Cause what I, does a curlew um, look like? It's... Uh, a sort of largish wader with a long 
curved beak, downward curving beak that it prods into the muck to mm. get things. And it's oh, got a very yeah. good call, which goes, hang on, let's, let's see if I can do it. Oh, I've heard that. Have you, well, that's a curlew. Oh, that's very good. Yeah. You know what, Jim? This is like synchronicity and coincidence, but I've got a tray that I've just, before you came on, I had a cup of tea and a bit of toast. And I've got a tray with birds on, and there's actually a curlew on it. I've just sent it, actually, to our WhatsApp. Yeah, I've got one. I've got got a curlew. A tray? I've got a curlew. A tray. I'm going to send you a picture of it, because you'll have to get this tray if you like curlews. Oh, do you mean like a tea tray? Yeah. I thought you were talking about one in your garden. I thought you're not going to get one a curlew on a tray in your garden. (laughs) No, hang on. I think I've just got it. Yes, and there it is. That's Mm. actually a, a very short beaked Curly, it looks a bit more like a wimbrel, which is a, the rare, oh. the rare cousin of a curlew. Oh, well, it's a very nice looking tray. I like it. I know. I'll, I'll, I'll send you the link to the tray because it's a lovely tray, and they've got placemats as well. Oh, I like that. oh it's ever so nice. I love this tray. Can I tell you an interesting story about the bird called the wheat ear? Have Ooh. you ever heard of that? A oh. wheat ear. No. Well, it's a small bird. It's uh, not very common. Why do you think it's called a wheat ear? Because it likes eating wheat ears? No, it's Old English for white arse. Oh. Oh. Because it's got a white arse. It's got a white back end. So uh, wheat ear is Old English for white arse. Sounds like an insult. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose it does, doesn't it? Mm. But I don't suppose the wheat ear is that insulted if you (laughs) you shouted that out at it. Yeah, white arse. (laughs) (laughs) And got some, and it, it really is f- fantastic. I'd be able to look at bees 
you know, from uh, mm. quite a long distance through them and Perfect. really clearly. Wow. So I was thinking about, you know, if you were a beekeeper or a bird watcher, twitcher, and Christmas is approaching, uh, what, I'll ask you, uh, Jim, first, you've got your binoculars, uh, but if somebody was to buy you something at Christmas time, bird-related, what would you hope for most? Well, it's, it's, um, it'd have to be binoculars, but I've already got them. Mm. And I've got a camera as well, which... Because um, I've started to get serious, uh, so I've got a camera as well. What else do you need? A, ha- a portable hide. Yeah. What? No, that... A portable hide, you know, <laughs> so you can sit down. <laughs> well, yeah, and then you cover yourself in a mini tent, yeah, and, oh. uh, and then peer out. That's essential, right? Yeah, yeah. And if it, you know, if it's in if in the winter there's not that many birds about, just do it in the high street and look at people <laughs> coming and going. You'd have to have quite a different. Um, you could have some ad- add-on presents, could you? Have different camouflage to go over the hide, depending yeah. on your environment. Mm. Well, yeah, and you get a brick wall. Um, coloured one, and then you could just yeah. yeah, you could put that up in in your high street and uh, against the post office or something, and then see people <laughs> stare at them coming and going. And they'd never spot you. Of course they wouldn't. What about you, Esther? That'd be good. What's your what would your present be for beekeeping? What would you think? Oh yeah, that would be great. You probably have everything, but for mm. a prospective beekeeper. What would you suggest for Christmas for them? Well, a lot of people buy me bee things, and sometimes I think, oh God, not another thing with bees well, I've done on. That loads. <laughs> I know, but that, that's true though, because everybody buys me bee things. I mean, I could go out covered in, you know, bees, bee scarf, bee jumper, bee everything. Bee mask, which I gave you yesterday. Um, yeah, I mean, I did like the bee mask. I've got to say, but. I think I'd want something more scientific, like, uh, you know, a cure for European fowl brood disease or a, a, a cure, a cure for all these diseases that bees have got. But that's, that's, that's quite like unrealistic. People, people might not uh, might struggle to get you that for Christmas. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, then. I'll tell you what I'd like, then. i tell you what I'd like. Um, I'd like... Honey's from round the world because I like, I mean, I love London honey. I mean, that is my favourite. But I love it when somebody brings me back like some Spanish honey or my friend bought me some honey from Tenerife. I think that was the best honey I've ever tasted. Yeah. What have they been feeding on to make it so good? Lager. Yeah, well, (laughs) (laughs) oh, I think it was... um, Were they volcanic bees? They were. They must be. But their, their forage, you know, it must be... I mean, it must grow in a very rich soil, being Tenerife, you know, and like you say, the volcanic soil. And the flowers must have, the nectar must be so tasty because this this wildflower honey was just incredible. Maybe it's got lava in it. Yeah, lava honey it was. It was boiling, it burnt my tongue off. Because you sort of think of those Canary Islands and they're so arid. I've been to a few of them and... I went to Fuerteventura and it was it mm. was such arid land and very little uh, vegetation actually, uh, very little greenery. Um, I just maybe it's because it struggles; it's harder for it to grow. Therefore, but it's th- yeah. But if you think about that sort of place, like what does grow, you know, like strong woody sort of things and bushes, like you know, like when you go to Greece, it's hot, but you get that lovely honey from the pine forest. Well, actually, it's honeydew honey. It's the 
the bees have fed off the aphids that are are eating the sort of sticky residue on the on the pine and then the mm. bees feed on the aphids and that's what makes the honey so you know some of these hot countries have really sort of intense flavored honey i had some mm. zambian honey and that was honestly that was so amazing and rich uh, i mean it wasn't to my taste like the tenerife uh, honey was but it was really good mm. so honey honey's from different countries oh, well, that's a good answer I've got um, quite a few bee-shaped things around our house because my the nick my nickname from by my wife Nancy is Bee. Oh, is it? Yes, she calls me Bee all the time. And why? I don't, we we oh. don't know why. We can't work out where it came from. It's from the distant past, and I don't really don't know where. Maybe you were a bee one in your former life. A solitary bee. Oh, you know about solitary bees, do you? Well, yeah, they burrow into little holes in the ground, don't they? Yes. Yeah. Well, you're very knowledgeable. We're very impressed with you, Jim. Uh, so am I. <laughs> <laughs> what do they do? Um, I mean, there must be a queen somewhere. Do they gather together? Some of them live next door to each other, but they've all got their individual holes. And um, the the queen will lay the eggs in the in the little hole and then she might sort of then leave the, the hole with some nectar and pollen supplies so when they hatch they can nibble away at things and then she'll seal up the little hole and and some of those bees that come out will be male and some will be female but it's only the the the, once the 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 male has mated with any female bee it dies because like we were saying before its sting is its genitalia so that's the end of it once it's mated so you wouldn't get any honey from a solitary bee no they just make like a paste the only bee that makes honey is a honeybee. Mm. We have occasionally mm. get hornets that oh, come yeah. down our chimneys and in, into the house. They're mm. horrible. Yeah. Don't know what to do with them. <gasps> I fear them. I just shut the door and hope they go away. Yeah. We hoover them up. Do you? What were they? Oh, ooh. so are they alive and in your hoover? Yes. Mm. It's a very cruel death, isn't it? I try and flush mm. them out somehow. Yeah, I, I don't. Mm. I try and flush them out, but they're so big and frightening. And it's very hard to get them out of the window. And sometimes so just you just give it. up. You just give up in the... Well, I give up in the end and think, right, sorry. I have to resort to the hoover now. They're quite they all... vicious looking as well, aren't mm. they? Yeah. Mm. And they come at your window at night yes. sometimes, don't they? You know, and they've got such evil faces. Mm. That, I think that's it, Esther, because they come at night when you're tired mm. and you think, oh, I just mm. can't be bothered now trying to get this out of the window. That's a big mm. difference. You're right, though. They've got evil faces and bees have got friendly faces. They have, yeah. They're so nice. But you know what? A lot of beekeepers, they really make that mistake because over the winter, you, you talk about your bees and you get prepared, you know, for the spring and you love your bees so much and you forget that actually if you do take the lid off and they're in a bad mood, they will sting you, you know, and you have to always remind yourself that they are actually, you know, Pretty dangerous on mass if you if you um, get them on the wrong day. Oh, well, we had a big swarm of them came over our garden in the summer. We were sitting outside, Ooh. and a huge. We heard it first. It was like, mm. and then a huge big black cloud came across. And then mm. I would say about two months later, I was looking through my old binoculars at a chiff chaff, which was at the mm. top of a tree, and it was eating bees. And it seemed like there was quite a lot oh. of them up there. So I reckon they've gone to the top of this tree. And yeah. have uh, and have 
got a nest up there. So usually they either go in um, like a, a conifer or something like that, so they're going to be pretty safe from the elements, or they're inside the trunk because otherwise, how are they going to? They haven't. They can't build a roof. They don't build a wax roof for themselves. They wouldn't survive really open to the elements for very long. I've just had a look out of the window, and it is a conifer. Oh. That's it then, they'll be all right. It's an unusual looking, an unusual looking conifer. So I reckon yeah, they're up there now probably, aren't they? Yeah, they will. They'll survive in that, hopefully. Well, that's nice. And then next year you'll have to borrow a bee suit, climb up with a ladder and you might be able to get a bit of honey. Really? I don't know, I don't know if I'd want to disturb them. Well, you could go and have it, a little would, look. Would they not mind? <laughs> if you had you said it politely <laughs> like that, Jim, no. Yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> Now, Jim, we hear that you have your own podcast. Yes, we've just started doing it, and uh, you're coming on it tomorrow. Uh, Ooh, yes, James. and it's 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 uh, it's Jules Holland, my old friend Jules, who I've known since the mid '80s. We've been good friends for a long time, and we both um, like transport. And he's got a most the most fantastic model railway you've ever seen in your life. Mm. So, I, I mean, that's not really my thing, but it, it is very impressive. But we've both had quite a number of motor vehicles in our lives. So we, it's not really about cars. It's not a, a laddish thing. It's more about, like, where, where's the best place you've been? It's travels mm. and a little bit of transport. But mm. then it's kind of like yours. It's the route to other stories. <clears throat> where I live around here, we have... Uh, you know, the, uh, the gypsies' little tra- horse and trap things? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I saw that one of those very, very recently in Lewisham. I want to get someone to explain this this phenomenon. Because you see them, you know, tearing up and down the A20. Mm. And, uh, but what are they, where, where have they been? Where are they going? And what are they up to? That's what I thought. They're just having a laugh. I they? they are, aren't they? You know what? I, my grandma used to ride a horse and cart and she used to drive a motorbike and she rode a crane. Did she? Um, she used to dra- drive a crane. That was a job. But um, if I could come back again, I definitely would have a horse and cart, I think. I'd love it. You loved horses, didn't you, Esther? Oh, yeah, I love it. I love, used to love riding and we used to ride bareback in the field near us and just have such a laugh. But the guy who actually used to have all these horses that were on council ground. He used to ride one of those carts and he just used to look so jolly in this, this horse and cart. And I wish I could have drove it. Why don't you do it? You could bomb up and down Middle Lane in Crouch End, <laughs> couldn't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, when you and Nancy come to Crouch End, I'll pick you up at the tube and I'll drive you in my horse and cart to Dunn's. Well, you can, can have a donut. You can, you can, you can drive us to uh, her Auntie Iris, who lives in Middle Lane. <laughs> yeah, I will. I'll drive you to Auntie Iris's yeah. on my horse and cart. <laughs> I look forward to that. Thank you, Jim, for coming on our show. You've been a mine of information and unusually very knowledgeable about bees, coming up with big words and such like. Like ovipositor. Yes. (laughs) But you've been an absolute Uh, joy on our show and thank you so much. Well, thank you. I feel uh, uh, enlightened as well. Thanks for all the info. I can add that to my vast knowledge of 
Um, <laughs> not much. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. I've really enjoyed it, and I look forward to going setting up our our scent our scent business <laughs> yeah, together. Let's get it. Let's get it going. Nymph. All right, Nymph. love. Yeah. All right. All lots right. of love. Bye bye. All right. Lots of lots of love to Nancy. Lo- Thank you. Lots bye-bye. of love to Nancy. Bye, Jim. Bye bye. 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 Queen Bees is written and created by Esther Coles and Jane Horrocks. It is produced by Claire Broughton and Andy Goddard and partly recorded at The Hives on my allotment near Crouch End in London. Our title music is Sweet Nothing by Amy Mae Ellis and Will Cookson. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Queen Bees Pod for pictures and videos from The Hive. Queen Bees is a hat-trick podcast. <laughs>